Stephen Bradley was upset with Cork City on Monday night that they didn't give Shamrock Rovers that guard of honour. <laughs> Come on, Stephen. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the women's national side go from strength to strength under Eileen Gleeson. Stephen Bradley demands more respect and can Cove pull off a bit of a shock in the first division playoff? My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle as always from thebigkickoff.com and Nathan... We've seen it many times across the war where the teams who are newly crowned champions get a guard of honour. Cork City were having none of this one, were they? No, no, they weren't at all. And it was probably the most interesting thing, boy. <laughs> that happened. Came out of this <laughs> yeah. mon- I came out of this Monday night football because uh, Jesus, it, it certainly wasn't an advertisement for the league because it was uh, on the big stage of RTE. Now, that has to be a given. You have a team in Shamrock Rovers that had the league done and dusted. Uh, you got a 2 nil win on Friday. I, I forget who they were playing on Friday, Roy, so we'll just skip on. Apart. Yeah, passing that one. Past that. We'll just leave that out to the backside. <laughs> uh, and then a Cork City team that's destined to finish ninth and they'll go into that um, relegation uh, play, uh, promotion final, which, like uh, you said, we'll touch on a little bit later in the show. But coming straight after, Roy, after the day, the, the middle of draw between Cork City and Shamrock Rovers, Stephen Bradley came out, uh, as you said, talking about the lack of a guard of honour by the Lee side of accusing uh, Richie Holland's decision of being weak and questioning the leadership of, of that decision itself. Overall, just feeling extremely disrespectful, uh, disrespected and hard done by, especially considering the fact that uh, Derry City gave Shamrock Rovers a guard of honour this time last year uh, when those two sides were embroiled in a really tight league title race. So, I don't know. I, I, do you know, actually, before I should get on my little opinion of this, what I thought was the funniest um, part of this all and something that wasn't being talked about until Dan, McDo- uh, Dan McDonald uh, was talking about it in the Independence was before the game Cork City manager Richie Holland uh, met up with Stephen Bradley explained his decision with this and that decision being he wants to create a siege mentality at Torn of Cross with the, the two big weeks that, that are coming as I said mentioned that are involved in that massive playoff fight and he, he wants to instill a real cork versus the world attitude uh, in the squad. So he met up with Stephen Bradley before him, explained that decision to him, and handed him over two bottles of champagne. I'm not a connoisseur myself, but I don't know about you, if you're a man for the bubbly. So, but I believe he won cheap bottles of champagne. So you can imagine the imagery of Stephen Bradley giving out about the little girl of honour with two expensive bottles of champagne in his hand. And as we called by Richie Holland about him and before we came on here, just you know, just catching up a little bit on what's been going on the season. Uh, and stumbled across I, I forget the publication, I'm just trying to pull it up here now, but Richie Holland saying something along the lines of he wished he bought Stephen Bradley uh bottle of champagne out of Aldi now instead of <laughs> uh, the, the the more expensive bottles. That's a nice little clap back from uh, from Richie on this situation and the situation. How do you what do you think, Nathan? Do you think there should be a guard of honor for for these teams? As you can see by the I intro, I, I'm not bothered by them to tell you the truth. Yeah, I think they're a nice little tip of the hat and a little bit of respect. But especially in the League of Ireland. In England, as you said, it, it's probably a bit more prominent. Um 
someone's asked to do the television rights or if yeah, they clamp down a little bit more, I'm not too sure what goes on on that side of the water. But um, I think it is a nice little step of thing to do. But they just cause more bloody arts and don't even anything yeah. else. Like I've I seen countless amounts. And again, they have a point. Slugger Rovers fans down here and on the line saying, oh, well, Shamrock Rovers didn't do that for us when we won the league in 2012. Albeit, look, that was a club decision and Stephen Baddy was definitely not the manager. I think Stephen Baddy was playing for Limerick back in 2012, right. so he wasn't the manager. I think with Brian Laws or something, it would have been the manager of Rovers at that stage. So I think it can just drag up these little things. It's probably a bit of an outdated tradition now at this stage. I don't know what, you, the, what, what, why do you feel that you need it? What, what, what is it that yeah, you think you're getting yeah. from it? I don't get it because it's not the whole, like it's not the whole league coming out and standing and giving you a guard of honour. It just happens to be that next team. So wh- why is it that you would demand them to bow down to you, you know, because you won the league? It just means nothing. The other way around, I don't get uh, uh, what Holland is saying about this siege mentality. I think that's a lot of horse shit too, because. You know, you can you can create that and form that without having to drag that into your excuse. I think that's a rubbish excuse. But he did get, you know, he did acknowledge Shamrock Rovers by, you know, giving them the, the Stephen, the champagne. That was a kind of a nod to Stephen to say, listen, you've done a great job. Fair play to you. Four in a row. It's, a, it's fantastic for you. It's a champions again. I think that's enough. I, I, I really don't see where Stephen's coming from. Well, I'm not going to see a bottle of champagne and a lot of grown men clapping onto the pitch, to be very honest with you. Yeah, I, I, I really don't, don't see the, uh, the, the thing of this. And actually, going back to the mentality thing that you said, I, I was the same as you. I think if this siege mentality wants to instill into this group isn't in place by now, it, it's never going to come in. It's very late in the day to, to be going down that route. But yeah, like, it's, it's not like, during this to Richie Holland, he didn't completely avoid the situation. He didn't bypass Stephen Bradley, always team, always backroom staff with players. He didn't just mumble, you know, well, congratulations, went shaking hand after the game. He went there with way before the game, with the pleasantries, with the two bottles of champagne. Said, Here you go, lads, congratulations. Best of luck this evening. You know, you know we probably should be dragging more out of this, but it, to me, it seems like a bit, bit of a, a, a non issue that's been. I don't think we'd be talking about this as much, and that's probably why I made a little bit of a jab at the start of this section. If this was a thrilling 4-3 game or something like that, I don't think we'd be, we'd be talking about the lack of guard of honour for, for 15 seconds before the match kicked off. Yeah. I, I think it's just something that's been cherry-picked ever. A really, really dumb nil-all game. Um, okay, so we, 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 yeah, we're, I, I, we're I, both I, in I, agreement. I, yeah, and about Stephen Bradley, I'd say, okay, so have me have me league title, have me prize money, and I have me, oh, very importantly, have me two bottles of champagne. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I I I don't overly need a guard of honour, and yeah, I, I, it's again nice to for a half. But shouldn't be we shouldn't be looking at things like the FAI to step in here and make it mandatory or no, or, no or really absolutely going over to be shaming anybody into doing it. No, no, it's a it's a load of nonsense. Okay, so let's have a look at the league table because uh, it's all but finished, and Shamrock Rovers obviously have Champions League football next year. Very interesting to see. There's going to be a few people leaving. Uh, we've seen a couple who are leaving today. Ron yeah. Finn, I believe, is going back to UCD. So, I believe that's a big clue for the students, isn't it? Uh, going back down to the fourth division. Uh, you'd imagine Ron is going in now as a mature student. He linked with the scholarship programme. Uh, mm. that, that'll see him be playing fourth division football in 2024. So, 
yeah, big cue for the students, uh, someone that's been in the league for a long time. Yeah, a bit controversial, Roy. I always say, I think Rona Finn played his best football in Oriel Park compared to uh, the Tallis Stadium. But look, it's, it's a bit big loss, someone that's been around. Good pro, though, isn't he? Like, I mean, he's won so many oh, titles, actually. but he's just been a good pro. You, I'd say that you would have any of the youngsters who are in uh, Tala there looking at him, you know, a great role model, I'd say. That's why I say it's such a big cue for a side like UCD that's embedded with a lot of young players. Like the role of players, uh, Evan Ozam, and he's in his mid twenties now at this stage. So you really have someone coming in that that's been there, done that. I think it's the highest European uh, appearances in the League of Ireland. So someone that's definitely been around the block. And another one that's been around the block, Roy, and we've probably seen this one coming a little bit more is the retirement of Alan Manis. Mm. Uh, Usually experience always two spells with Shamrock Rovers. He was there from 2009 to 2011. Then got that big move to the FPA with St. Johnston. Returned then to the League of Ireland in 2018 and, and it has been an error present in the Shamrock Rovers team. Just based on some of the stats that we have here with Shamrock Rovers, he's won six league titles, won an FAI Cup, won a Satanta Sport Cup. He's made 284 Shamrock Rovers appearances in all competitions. But even elsewhere, you know, he's with Linfield and started his career for nine seasons five league titles up there, uh, one Irish Cup, two league cups, and then that St. Johnson move I mentioned, he also won a Scottish Cup with them too, and also captain nine times, uh, very importantly for his country, uh, with Northern Ireland, so, you know, another huge uh, loss to them, something I, I think we expected to see last year, I was surprised to see him, yeah. sign up for the 2023 season, but, it is going to be a massive hole to fear, because I don't think there's any goalkeeper at the club at the minute, you could see stepping up, so, they're going to have to go into the market, I see it, whether, I don't know if, if you have any names in mind whether that could be in Nathan Shepherd at Dundalk who's out of contract uh, at the end of the season maybe did he go in does, does Ed McGinty that made his move to Oxford United and, and can't get a sniff in for love nor money he's been very unlucky with injuries but we know what Ed can do in the League of Ireland too so for me off the top of my head they, they'd be two viable options for Shamrock Rovers if they were to, uh, to go elsewhere for a new number one Yeah I think there's I mean a they have a lot of options. Um, Shamrock Rovers will attract, if they're coming back to the League of Ireland or within the League of Ireland, Shamrock Rovers are going to be a team that are going to attract the best of what is around. So they they should be able to get someone in. Uh, it's important to get someone in who is of good calibre because you know Alan was fantastic for them and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know yourself the way it does be. Someone like Peter Schmeichel leaves a Man United and they struggle for a while, you know. So it's not always as easy uh, as it, you think it might be to replace someone. But um, it's that's a big, like, big character. Ronan Finn, big character. And, you know, we still don't know what's happening with Stephen Bradley. So, you know, there could be a lot of change with Shamrock Rovers in the summer. Summer, yeah, the winter, right. the yeah, winter. The winter. The winter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't clock the other now. I'm saying, yeah, wait, we're seeing it. The like, Australian uh, summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're seeing it too. There's rumours Rory Gaffney could be on his way out. Links rumours with Derry City and, and his home t- club, uh, Galway. We have Jack Bourne. That's also that believe that he's been offered a new contract, but nothing's been signed and sealed. So. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of clubs, Shamrock Rovers, like the same path. A lot of clubs are going to lose uh, talent, or younger talent, I think it's part of, part of the League of Ireland. But Shamrock Rovers would, would really be interesting ones because, as you said, they're, they're not only losing two great players, they're losing two brilliant pros. We only see these lads for 
in at least 90 minutes of the week. I'm sure there are massive influences around the training area and the, the, the training facilities and the, and the changing rooms and stuff like that. So that's probably going to be more invaluable for them. And then that's what I was talking about, losing someone in Rory Gaffney, who has been, was, had an excellent 2024. He's still chipping away in, in this season with goals too. And without talking about someone like Jack Bourne, that, if, if you forget the, the nonsense that some people are saying about Jack, and he's been very unlucky with injuries, and the consistency just hasn't been there, unfortunately, over the past year or so. But on his day, this guy is, is the best talent in the League of Ireland. And talks that he could be staying within the league as well. If you can get Jack Bourne up to fitness and, and keep him up to fitness, most importantly, he'd be a massive cue for any side that he goes to, and a huge loss of Shamrock Rovers in, in the heart of midfield. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, what's happening around Tala. Okay, let's talk about your team because forget about the cup final, all right? Just pretend that hasn't happened. How do you look at St. Pat's season so far? Excellent. Absolutely excellent. I think John Daly has done a brilliant job. He will be in the running for manager of the season. Look, I, I think it's, it's hard to look past a manager that's won four consecutive league titles in, in, in any forget the whatever you thought of Shamrock Rovers' performances this year. Uh, John has done an excellent job. He took over Team Clancy on an interim basis and Pat was sitting seventh. And as a Pat supporter, you're looking at this and you're thinking, oh God, this, this is going to be a relegation fight in their hands. So not so bad. I, I really thought it was getting to Pat's year. The, the, the standard of play was that poor uh, within the team. But John came in, said to the ship, are you... I'm sure we listen back to the shows. Right you weren't sure when over. he started, Nathan. No, I remember I that well. And I, I, yeah, and hands up. And I think even at the time I said, I will gladly have my hands up. So I, was now, now I think you were talking about his direct football, were you not? I, I was talking about the fact that I, I'm never overly excited when a manager leaves the club and the next person to step in the permanent basis is the assistant manager of the man that just left. I, I, I just don't feel a lot of change happen. And it took a little bit of time, but we've seen that. We've seen he gave some of the young lads a chance, in particular uh, Adam Murphy, who's been excellent in the second half in, in the midfield of patches. Talk about him moving on now. But say the summer, you have me in the summer boots as well, never right. <laughs> a lot of talk of Adam moving on in the winter, which would be a huge loss. Um, the sign of Keane Levy from Shamrock Rovers of Shelbourne, Jay, I'm all over the place. But the winter, the summer on my mind now. Uh, sign of Keane Levy coming in from Shelbourne. Uh, was, was brilliant he was missing the first couple of weeks with injury but God did this lad right? I don't know if you've seen much of him because I was only thinking of you at the last game you've been critical in the past of maybe a lack of directness from, from winners uh, this guy has that has that stage such a winning runner so, so silky with the ball at his feet and with a full pre-season now under his belt uh, hopefully now in the off-season he'll be fit and ready to go next year he will be excellent by St. Patrick's season so I've been happy with, with, with that aspect of it well, at the end of the day, from a St. Pat's point of view, we're now very lucky to be in a position. We're coming into the final game of the season, a really difficult game, going up to the Ryan McBride Brandywell Stadium to play Derry City. Uh, we have European football in the back pocket. I know you said not to mention it, but we, we do have a cup final now on the horizon, which is going to be a massive occasion and, and be a brilliant way to finish our season with a bit of silverware. And we're going into the last end of the season. All we have on the line is ourselves and Derry are fighting for that second place position. Mm. Not not knocking that at all. That that's still very important to be huge uh, scalp to finish uh, second once again behind Shamrock Rovers for the the, the second uh, consecutive year. 
there's definitely been this disappointing aspect of the season. I think with a couple of wins, especially we dropped City Point at home to the likes of uh, Shelbourne and and Drogheda, where we maybe could have put a little pressure on Shamrock Rovers and made that title uh, a title battle a little bit more interesting, but it just wasn't to be. But I think if you look back from, as I said, going back to the original point from when Tim Clancy left the club to the position we're in there with European football, with a cup final and with the chance to finish second in the league, it, it, it's been a brilliant season. And I do have to tip my hat to John Daly because I really was not sure about him, but he's done an absolutely excellent job at Richard Park. Okay, good to hear. Uh, we'll do a kind of a, a total look maybe next week or the week after on, on the season and how it's finished off. But Cork City obviously are in ninth. We've talked about a little bit about Cork earlier on. Um, 31 points, six points off Sligo. So they've just failed to secure that sort of safety. How do you feel, well, Waterford and Cove have to play first. How do you feel that they would be able to cope against uh, those two? And I suppose, discuss the Waterford and Cove game. Yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Where I, I thought at one stage, Sligo Rovers looking in a lot of trouble. And funny enough, after looking at a lot of the clubs, I, the table doesn't know at the end of the season, but I, I thought that Cork City squad had a little bit more quality compared to Sligo, so I didn't think they could be disappointed to find themselves in that ninth position. But looking elsewhere, yeah, look, just throwing our eye now to this playoff final. Um, we probably jump back to the league now in a second, right, because that European race is, is hotting up here. We'll, we'll mm. jump back to that now in a second, but... Um, yeah, the playoff final in Waterford and Cove. What would you rather, I suppose, from the Cork City point of view? Who would you rather come in? I, I think the obvious money would be you'd rather Cove because you have a Waterford team, as you mentioned, a lot, uh, a lot of full time. They have a full time structure in place. You can see them. That uh, they have a really good squad. Ronald Cotton's been running the muck in terms of scoring goals, but a Cork derby in a one-off game in the, the, the promotion relegation would be difficult because I think Cove have been excellent this season. I remember at the start of the year, I, I tipped them to do well, but not not to finish toward comfortably in the league. They're now unbeaten in the last five games. Uh, even now looking at the Denver Waterford, the last two meetings, they beat them 1-0 and 2-0. So, with a little bit of the edge over the recent meetings of Waterford going into the game on Saturday and throwing us first. Yeah, it's a really, really difficult one from a Cork City point of view, isn't it? Rory Keaton has really kicked on for them, so at least he has a little bit of quality up front to get an overhaul. Yeah, it's strange. Well, I think we hard would like to see Cove finish the job after just such a good season that he had, after the, the difficulty that Shane Keegan found himself in as a manager with the situation he was involved in mm. with Peak Six and Dundalk at the time. And now to... to take a step back or down back down to the fourth division and sort of rebuild himself yeah, yeah. and he's done that in spades because some of his recruitment has been brilliant uh, Jack Doherty has been excellent for, for Colts uh, this season he's been relying on him very heavily for goals you know maybe he'd be someone that could move on regardless of, of where Colts finish up so I think the general consensus would be that oh, it's going to be Cork and Waterford I think a lot of people said that before a ball was even kicked in the playoffs uh, semi-final it's going to be Cork and Waterford but yeah, I think we hard would like to see uh, that all Cork derby in the promotion and relegation final. Yeah, uh, well, listen, either game would be great. Anyhow, Cork Waterford, Cork Cove, 
it, it, it's playoff, so it's, they're the one-off game, so you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, if Cove got to the Premier Division, it, it'd be brilliant. Um, how well could they do? That would be a big question. I suppose, what kind yeah. of resources do they have behind them? Would they struggle from the, the get-go? So where you know that Waterford are in a better position, you know, to have a chance of surviving in, in the in the Premier Division. So, um, but does it make a difference still? Whoever wins, wins. And whoever whoever gets, gets that opportunity to, to go up will give it absolutely everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Cove go up. Um, I don't know if I can see it happening. I just think Waterford have just been that little bit stronger all season. And I, I don't see that sort of falling away. So... I can see them winning that where it's scraping through but the odd goal 1-0, 2-1 and as I said already you know Cork have, have they haven't been I mean they've lost three or the last five but you know I suppose you can't really judge that Shamrock Rovers game so yeah I'd be fancying Waterford I think mate Yeah so I suppose with, with the Cove Ramblers team there's no doubt that they would struggle if they were to, to, to earn their way into the Premier Division. And with these sort of teams, we would always fancy the, the, the sides that, uh, that, that are running a bit of form. Like in any sort of playoff, whether it, that even be all the end of the championship, there's not always that team that's hopping around and uh, just behind the playoff, then they jump in the last minute. And they're normally the sides that go on and do well because they have that bit of momentum under the belt. But both Waterford... Uh, and Cove, I'd say Cove are unbeaten in the last five games, Waterford are unbeaten in the last four. And really, if it wasn't for Galway, Waterford when it would have went on and, and, and won the fourth division uh, with a canter. But finished 25 points off Galway, that just shows how good they are and how exciting it will be to see Galway in the Premier Division next season with the one that they went on. We're just talking about Waterford, and I just I touched on uh, Mona Cochrane there for a minute. But well, seeing they have a new star on the belt, well, I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, obviously, beat Athlone 4 2 in the semi final of the playoffs. So that was a, a one all draw in Athlone in the fourth leg, and then they went back to the RSC. And Romeo uh, Akachuku came on. Now, in fairness to Romeo, he's, uh, he's been making his way into the team over the past while, so he's he had to make a name for himself. Only 17 years of age, came on with an hour gone into the game. And got a hat trick, three goals in a half an hour to seal Waterford's place in the playoff final. So that's an absolute excellent cue just for a 17 year old to come in such a high pressure game in front of his home fans and to do that. Uh, that definitely deserves a mention because at his age, like, that's really stepped up in the team needs him the most. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, he's someone to keep an eye out for, and maybe he won't even last that long there if Waterford don't get up. Okay. Nathan, you just wanted to have a chat about the the European places. Yeah, so I just wanted to, just before we, we shoot it off, I know we have uh, other things to talk about, Nate, but as you said, the, the league title is done. Shamrock Rovers are playing uh, Sligo Rovers on Friday. That, that's a title celebration. That's Shamrock Rovers are going to get their um, back to hand in the league. That would be interesting to see if they get a guard of honour because, as I said, they, they, they played off Sligo back in 2012, so I wouldn't be expecting John Russell's name to... Uh, to the favour. So that's probably the most interesting thing to look out for in that game, Roy, with Sligo now safe for next year. Uh, we have St. Pat Pantery, as I said, they're finishing off by uh, fighting for second place. 
But what we do have still is that fourth place position uh, between Shelbourne, Dundalk and Bohemians. So we're shelled in fourth now at the minute on 27 points. Uh, Dundalk behind them in fifth on 55 and Bowles are in sixth place, also on 55 points, but just behind on goal difference. So now we have a couple of ways that this could work out. Uh, all the games taking place as you do last game of the season, Friday night, 7.45 kickoff. Shelbourne, just looking at them, they have to go and be drawed away from home in Weaver's Park. If that doesn't happen, uh, they'll have to, they can draw the game and they have to hope that Dundalk don't beat UCD by four goals or more. So that's Shelbourne's point of view. From a Dundalk point of view, they have to beat UCD. Again, they're playing UCD away from home. And they have to hope that Shelled lose against Drottery. And if that doesn't happen, they have to beat UCD by four goals or more and hope that Shelled get a draw. And then looking at Bowles, they little bit fortunate because of the cup final, which you touch on in a second. But looking at Bohemian, they have to beat Cork City, who they're playing in Daniel Park, and hope that both Shelbourne and Dundalk lose their games. But so there is definitely a lot, a lot of chopping and changing and moving that can happen. It's going to be a frantic last game of the season over that last uh, the fourth position place that could potentially get them into Europe. And we say potentially because Bohemians have the FA Cup final to fall back on against the impacts. So essentially they have two shots at it themselves. Well, they're probably the outsiders, outsiders to finish in fourth on Friday because they're a new position and because of just losing them to Dundalk last week. Um, but they still have two goals to win it or they on the league standings or to win it off their own merit by winning the FAI Cup where if Shelbourne and Dundalk finish in fourth place they'd obviously be looking at St. Pat's hoping St. Pat's win the FAI Cup to get them into Europe so it's it, it definitely something to keep our eye on here Roy uh, you would just say you know with the European prize money that, that is coming into it but three sides all funny enough none of them are playing in the final game of the yeah, season yeah, and yeah. all uh, all on at that four place position so that is an, a really really good one to look at and just a smaller thing to keep your eye out on for the final day of the season is the Golden Boot Award I don't know if they're keeping an eye on it but that is heating up big time over the past couple of weeks we have probably looking at five five contenders maybe we have uh, John Apalabo uh, Lafalabe, sorry, of Bohemians, uh, Chris Forrester of Patrol, Keaton of Cork City, and Jack Moylan of Shell. They're all sitting on 14 goals. Uh, Pat Hoban is sitting on 12. He's he, looking like Pat could have a, a move in the offseason away from Dundalk. He loved about Beru at Orville Park uh, potentially with the Golden Boot. And also keep your eye on Graham Bork. Again, he's probably the outsider, but Graham's sitting on 11 goals at the moment. and you wouldn't put past him if he starts putting one or two away against uh, Sligo Rovers at home. So, yeah, that's, that's another one. If anyone had a cheek little bit at the start of the season for the Golden Boot winner, I'd say he'd, he'd be sweating now a little bit and hovering over that cash out <laughs> button because this could go either way here. Really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's something to look forward to and uh, something to keep an eye out for uh, this weekend. Now, listen... The women's national team have continued their excellent Nations League campaign under Eileen Gleeson. They've been a, a breath of fresh air, Nathan. They've been excellent, right? They've been great to watch. I was watching them. Um, well, they had a double header against Albania. On I was watching them on the Friday before going to the Shamrock, uh, St. Patrick's Shamrock Rovers game. Comfortable 4-1 win. Open, open a solo Tallis Stadium, which is brilliant to see. Kate McCabe on flying form this game, three goals and two assists. 
uh, absolutely brilliant to watch. And then they played Albania against Israel once again on the Tuesday on Halloween night. Coming out, uh, one nil winners of the Lady Denise O'Sullivan goal in the 88th minute. But the weather conditions, and uh, sometimes that can be a cop out. You know, people blame weather, or they blame referees. It can be very easy things to cop out on. But if anyone hasn't seen the game, I'm sure you've seen the clips by now. The, the, the weather conditions were horrendous. Mm-hmm. Look at Monsoon coming down. Like, the, the, the hell wasn't called at half time beyond me. The, the game was delayed at half time to allow a, a, a storm overhead to pass. and the players came back out so it was extremely difficult condition for anything to play on it but the girls in green came out with another three points which leaves them now uh, top of group one in league B thankfully it won't be in league B uh, when the next nation league campaign comes around you've got promoted to league A which is absolutely brilliant especially with the two games to go probably the favourites when the draw was made considering their standings and, and, and coming out of the World Cup but we're not used to it, Nate, are we? No, we're not. That's what we really are. We're used to crushing disappointment. So to see any Ireland side uh, represented well is brilliant. Absolutely. Next two games, we have to finish up now the campaign. We're facing Hungary at home on the 4th of December. And then that will be finished off with a, a, a trip away against Northern Ireland on the 5th of December, which we played in Winter Park. So again, great to see them play in a, a national stadium. I actually wish this was something that, that becomes the, more, uh, the, the norm. As good as it was to see the solo Tallis Stadium, it's, you should have the right to be able to represent themselves on, on the, uh, the field of the uh, National Arena at the NDV Stadium. I was there when they played Northern Ireland. What a solo. Great occasion, though. Uh, I'm sure it was brilliant for them to, to, to step out on the hollow turf. And I'm sure for them to do it again would be a great honour. So, that is something it would be nice to see them do, but... Night and day comparisons, Roy, looking at the style of play. And I, I was a big fan of Vera Pear. I, I was shocked when she was uh, when she was let go. I was saddened by the way she was let go and, and the media aftermath. But there is no denying they're definitely playing like a team with the shackles off. Uh, much more free-flowing going forward. The, the goals was a major issue before the World Cup and at the World Cup. But no such team in the Nations League. They, they've been absolutely brilliant and they're, they're constantly going to walk this group but look of it Absolutely and long may it continue uh, it's been brilliant to see uh, we don't have too many Irish teams that go and dominate a group like that so it's absolutely fantastic Now Nathan we're going to get you to just have a little run over the League of Ireland under age teams because we haven't really looked at that at all No we haven't really uh, Roy and it's probably to our own detriment so we do definitely apologise about that um, but it was, I don't know if we're keeping an eye on what's been going on but we had, we had a lot, and it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. So, last weekend on Saturday, I believe, last Saturday at the time of recording, I believe it was, uh, we had multiple cup finals take place on the same day in the Athlone Town Stadium. It was all in LOITV, which is brilliant coverage. So, we'll just run through quickly some of the results and the goings on of that day. So, at the off start at 12 o'clock, we had the men's under 14 final at the Eddie Wallace Cup between Shamrock Rovers and St. Paris' Athletic. Uh, it was St. Pat's coming out 2-1 winners on that day. Uh, then we moved on to 3 o'clock. We had the men's under-15 final. It guess once again, we had St. Pat's going off against Shamrock Rovers. That was in the Michael Hayes Cup. This time, Shamrock Rovers came out 1-0 winners. And then to round off the trilogy of the day, at 6 o'clock, we had the women's under-17. That was against uh, Shelbourne and at Lone, which... 
actually a little preview of the Women's FAI Cup that's taking place in two weeks. Uh, the Shelbourne under twenty under nineteen team, seventeen team, sorry, right, came out uh, two one winners in this occasion. So I'm sure the senior team would be hoping to pull off the same feat at the cup final uh, in Tallis Stadium. And then a couple of days later on the Monday, we had the men's under nineteen cup final, the end of McGill Cup. Uh, this wasn't in Athlone, this was in Eamon DC Park in Galway. And Galway were in the final against Shamrock Rovers, but in Cup she couldn't get the job done. The Shamrock Rovers under 19 came out 2-1 winners on that occasion. And just while we're looking at the under 19 right? Unfortunately, all domestic football is coming to an end. We, we just talked about the Premier Division, talked about the Fourth Division and the playoffs, uh, Pima United. Uh, two weeks away from the, uh, the the last games of the, the Women's Premier Division when P-Men will get their league title handed to them. But the underage days are also coming to an end. And it's probably something we'll, we'll keep an eye on uh, uh, over the next week or so when they do start to, 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 to round out. But the men's on the 19th league is coming to an end this Sunday. This summer come, uh, Sunday, um, the 5th of November. It's a, a game that's going to take place and I'm going to talk about it's at 2 o'clock in Richmond Park, so if anybody's interested to get down in the underage football, it's going to be a really, really good one. Because we have a game against uh, St. Pat's and Shepard Rovers in the under 19. St. Pat's are coming in on 27 points in the final game of the season, and Shepard Rovers are coming in one point behind them on 26 points. So, straight shooter, right, for the, for the men's yeah, under 19 uh, title on the final game of the season. So, it doesn't get more exciting than that. And it's actually a similar enough situation with the men's under seventeen league here. We're having a look at this. Uh, Dundalk and Shelbourne are coming in on the final day of the season, level on points, they're both on twenty seven points. And then you have U C D coming in uh on twenty five points with an outside chance to win. And we're just talking about the European sides, right? We're talking about Shelbourne, we're talking about uh, Dundalk and we're talking about uh, Bohemians all not playing each other. Here in the under seventeen league, once again, Dundalk, Shell and U C D all avoiding each other on, on the final day. So, three teams that be potentially winning the under 17 league. I'm sure there'll be somebody sitting in like a Nissan Michael with the league title <laughs> in the car just wait, waiting to get the call. Where are they going? Are they going to go to Dundalk? Are they going to hand it to Shares? Are they going to hand it to UCD? So, yeah, look, anyone into that underage football, that's, it, it, this is the weekend. Keep an eye out. Check them out. Go down to your local games or. Uh, have a look on LOI TV because it's really, really heating up. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that to you. It's on LOI TV, is it? Uh, I'm pretty sure this one is, yeah, because they all look up finals for. Uh, so definitely do check them out. Check out the social medias for viewing information or to get down because they're really, really going to be worth, worth a look. It's just the Premier Division we'll be ranting and raving about how close it is coming into yeah. the last day of the season. So it, this is it, this is no different here. Okay. All right, Nathan, we're going to leave it there. Thanks to you and to everyone else who was listening out there. We'll chat to you next week.